perpetual stew in the fourth of our in our series. What the fuck is wrong with Florida? Florida. <laughs> um, and this time we're covering. Uh, how should we put this kindly? Corruption, <laughs> fraud, Rick Scott, specifically. It's, this is like this is you know once again our episodes are just like. What happens to a place when the citizens disengage with it, you know? Mm-hmm. And when, and when, I mean, Rick Scott's an interesting case because he's a great example of uh, the Republican Party's continued obsession with fraudsters. Like, this yeah. didn't start with Trump. Trump is just sort of like <laughs> the logical, like, end point, I guess. Yeah. Um but it, it it is shock it is honestly shocking to me that someone like Rick Scott has managed to herpes like <laughs> like stay an integral part of American public life despite the fact that everyone wants to get rid of him. Yeah, he's he is he is Ted Cruz like except times the power of like a Dick Tracy villain. You know what I mean? <laughs> like he like first of all the man looks like Lex Luthor and. So he he was slapped. His businesses were slapped with a historic one point eight billion. That's billion with a B. Uh, fine. That's just the fine. That's just mm-hmm. the fine for the Medicare fraud that they did. That his his companies did. And yeah, this is the at the time it was the biggest Medicare fraud in the history of the United States. So it's a classic go big or go home scenario. <laughs> Back to Eddie Izzard. Oh, you must be very busy. You must have a tight schedule with all that fraud you committed. Um, It reminds me of, do you know the actual story about like what undid Enron? No, what what undid Enron? Have you heard of mark to market accounting? Yes, I do. But please explain mark to market (laughs) accounting for the listeners. So Andy Fazdow, this is Andy Fazdow was treated as like um, this like wonderkind in in Enron world. And what he did was just so boldly lie and make things up like he's one of those people like when the Super Bowl came to Indianapolis, a a dangerous thing that I discovered is if you hold a clipboard are wearing any um, uh, like, you know, thing around your neck and any. lanyard and you just walk briskly you can go anywhere you can go anywhere Mm -hmm. and so fazdell what he did was marked market accounting which was once you book the promise of a sale not a a sign check not a check signed no nothing no contract signed you just get to put that on your books as like booked money that would definitely 100 will come in so Mm -hmm. this is just they just put a name on it he got like literally applause at at the meeting that he introduced this in and because of that like that's how they were able to so grossly inflate uh their you know income basically their profit statements or whatever um to jack up their uh their stock price and uh rick scott is kind of uh, the a similar sort of king of like penny like uh, nickel and diming of the Medicare system to the tune of billions of dollars. Yeah. Uh, and this is uh, this was in he they were the original fine for the company that he was running. It was called Columbia HCA, um, and uh, it was in 2000. And then the second fine got levied in 2002. So we're talking the bad old days. Um, and this sort of creative accounting is obviously not. So specifically for Columbia HCA, I want to make it clear how openly fraudulent this was. 
basically they gave kickbacks to doctors to refer patients to them. And then they exaggerated the patient's medical condition to seem worse than they were. So Medicaid, Medicare would pay more. Yep. Right. So it's just open fraud. Open fraud, which also means that it had to be so those billing things like that means that it had to be such a systemic level of fraud mm -hmm. that in this case, it it did go all the way down to like doctors billing. Like, you know what I mean? Yep. And instead of going to jail, Rick Scott walked away with three hundred million dollars in stock. Five point million dollar cash severance. And then an additional 950 grand per year for the next five years for quote unquote consulting services, which we know in these examples, you, they don't actually do anything. Like you show up once, you have lunch, you're just like, you guys should really uh, continue to do fraud. And that's like your, your consulting, you get your 950 grand. Um, and this was for running them into the largest at the time fine in, um, uh, uh, in American history for healthcare fraud. So I want to ask you, Sarah, as a small business owner, if, you know, let's say you hired someone to run your business for you and they got hit with a $1.7 billion <laughs> fine, would you give them over $300 million in uh, compensation for walking away from the company? We're, we're, you know, we're back to like mass scale exceptionalism. You know what I mean? Like it, you know, it's like, it is honestly, it shocks the shit out of me still that Bernie Madoff is in prison, which like the only reason that I believe that is because of like anti-Semitism. Like, no, no, he, he stole from rich people. That's that right. Was his yeah. mistake. He, he stole from rich people and he did affinity fraud, which is like yeah. when you're part of a community that's like, hey, I wouldn't fuck you over. And then you fuck him over real, real hard. Yeah. yeah. It's also exactly. why we we can see um Kevin Bacon uh, acting and playing music because uh, he need that money now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and so like. Let, let, let's be open that like Rick Scott ripped off a bunch of people on Medicare. Right. Yep. And, uh, and he ripped off the government, which are two things that conservatives don't care about. Correct. Right. So doesn't matter. He doesn't go to jail. He just gets his ridiculous. That's not a golden parachute. That's a fucking like, like, I don't even, I don't even know what to call it. That's, that's like unobtainium. Like, yeah. It's, I was going to say it's, it's like a, I'll, I'll combine our examples. It's a Corvette made of unobtainium that has a bow. And they're like, hey, listen, you did great. Uh, thank you so much for everything that you did. Just drive away in this and then drive it off a cliff. Whatever you want. We don't care. Yeah, we'll get you another one. It's, it's yeah. totally cool. It's fine. It's fine. And, and, and like, I have been in jobs where, you know, people leave the organization for a variety of reasons. Um. And uh, if you don't leave under good circumstances, they tend not to give you shit on your way out, right? They're just like, clear out your desk. Luckily, this has never been me. But like, they're like, clear out your desk. Like, uh, uh, you're just be, be happy that we're not, you know, reporting you to the police. Although when I worked at a bookstore, uh, the manager who hired me did wind up getting escorted out by security in handcuffs like a week into my job. God damn it. Yeah, she did not get $300 million in severance no. because she stole from the register, right? Uh, so we, we, we talked a little bit. I mean, I've been thinking a lot about the bank bailouts and I'm oh going to bring this. I want to connect this. But like we're talking about Silicon Valley Bank, you know, how they're all getting bailed out. And one thing that I always think about is moral hazard, 
and um, moral hazard is like the classic example of moral hazard happens when you're taking risks with someone else's money. Yeah. So it's the classic heads I win, tails you lose scenario. So in a moral hazard scenario, you get all the upside, but you don't take any of the downside. So it leads people to taking more risks than they should. So like after the financial crisis, all the banks got bailed out. And as we mentioned, they did not go to jail. Instead, they just, they got bailed out. They walked away with their loot and they're doing it again, except even bigger this time around. Yeah. Um, so that's a moral hazard scenario. And we're doing it again with SVB. We're like, oh, there's systemic risks. I mean, uh, um, we have Democrats going on the evening talk shows justifying the bailout, saying, you know, if we don't bail them out, you know, the financial industry sector is going to collapse. And they're not wrong. No, they're not wrong. But in like we talked about before, like in any other sane country, the idea of a government agency taking over a privatized, you know, company would mean, as we said before, like whenever it gets sold or returned back to investors or whatever, that like all the taxpayers who helped to bail that bail that out would see some benefit. And not only are we not seeing any benefit, like I have heard this is such a this is an actually incredibly simple one to understand. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like rarely like when you ex- same thing with Enron, when you explain what actually happened with Enron, that it was like a gas pipeline company that a bunch of like slick young people got a hold of and old people were so enamored with these young people that they just let them do whatever they want. Yeah. Um, They're so smart. Yeah. Like same thing with SVB. Like when you find out that like, well, we had a law that said banks are not allowed to take high risk positions on anything. And then we, we, Donald Trump at the behest of the banking industry itself, rolled back that law. They took uh, high risk positions on some things, put way more money, put way more eggs in the basket than the previous law would have allowed them to do, which is what stabilizes the economy. Mm-hmm. And the thing that happened before that we wrote a law to prevent happened again. Yeah, we I'm took the say, law away. We managed to unlearn something, yeah. right? Yeah. And the the reason I bring I bring this up, and like I think that's a great example, is that like we have another example of moral hazard here. That Rick Scott, leading this organization, profited from fraud, right? He didn't He didn't suffer the downside. He didn't take the loss. He didn't pay the fine. Instead, he walks away with over $300 million, free and yep. clear. And so if we create a system in which you do not punish people for doing fraud, for cheating, for failing, you end up with the Adam Newmans of the world rising to the top. Because I'm going to be honest. It's a hell of a lot easier to defraud people than it is to actually create value, to actually make society better. That yeah. like it's a lot easier to defraud the government than it is to innovate in healthcare. That's right. <clears throat> That's right. When you find out that like how much easier it is to for example just like buy up patents that already exist and then just like resell that IP over and over again, you know, it's it's like why would I start? Why would I try to start Hardee's when I could just go buy a Hardee's? Yeah. Or, or like, why should I bother by uh, inventing new medications when I can just buy the patent to insulin, uh, uh, right. buy, uh, you know, corner the market of insulin and then jack up the price on poor people? Yeah. And then get my my rich dad to uh, prevent regulation. I mean, uh, like my dad, who's the senator. Uh, if we... Yes. Hi, Joe Manchin and Joe Manchin's <laughs> daughter. If we could, if there was one thing. That, you know, it sounds 
like one of those small little administrative things. But the whole the whole thing about like not allowing senators and congressmen to trade stocks while they're in office is, again, something that sounds so boring. But when you're like, no, this is exactly how these people grow. Like the fucking same Republicans who are like, oh, well, Nancy Pelosi gets paid this much and Mm -hmm. and she has this. This is her net worth. It's three hundred million dollars. Like, uh huh. You are standing on top of the point. And looking for the part of where it is socialism's fault. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Oh, 100%. And I, I have an unpopular opinion on this. So <laughs> I think we should pay our legislators a lot more. Oh, yeah. But ban them, have an outright ban on them to, on being invested in the market. They Correct. should ha- have make a lot more money in raw salary, but not be able to hold positions, them or their husbands or, or, or their, their spouses husbands in, in uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi's case um, for exactly this reason. And there are, two, there are two points I want to make for this. First, if you underpay Congress people, and we do underpay them, I know the raw salary, which is like $170,000 a year or something, sounds like a lot. But remember, they have to maintain two households, yep. travel constantly, in, and DC is one of the most expensive places to live in the world. So you wind up, basically for a lot of people, they can't live all that well on their salary because of those requirements. So you wind up with the people who can take those jobs already having wealth. You end up with Rick Scott, uh, you know, you end up with uh, 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 Mitt Romney and you make it very hard for someone like an AOC, right. um, To survive. And second, you make it so that people need to cycle in and out of government to supplement that income. Correct. Right? So a lot of people go into Congress so that they can get the influence so that when they leave Congress, they can make a lot of money. So they're not looking to actually regulate or crack down on industry. They're trying to be cozy with industry um, so that they can make that sweet, sweet cash. Hello, Kirsten Cinema. Um, after they get cer- unceremoniously booted out of office. Yeah, you go, you just walk down the street to K Street and you say like, I'm ready. I'm ready for my million dollars a year. Like, I'm ready to to rack up some consulting fees. And, you know, like, if you're pretty sharp, the, the problem is, as you said, like, oh, God, it kills me that $170,000 really is not a lot of money, right? Like, we need to have, we need to raise the salary enough, like, Overall, I mean, including and most especially with staffers. I mean, like oh god, those, staffers. Yes. If you look at the job uh, listings for Capitol Hill, it will make you want to throw up. Like the salaries that they're offering, we're talking like forty or fifty thousand dollars a year to live in Washington D.C. Like, yeah. are you shitting me right now? And guess this means that people from underprivileged backgrounds, yeah. a lot of the time, cannot afford to take the jobs. Yep, I would. I would add. So the secondary clause I was I would add to this as we're talking it through is like if you derive your primary income from um, either a trust or from investments made, you know, X number of years ago. Right. Like if you are living off of some acquired wealth, like you should not be allowed to work in the government. Like if you if like I'm, I mean that like. I am fine. I don't love it, but I understand the idea of like, oh, this is a business person. So like, but like that person has worked a job. They've done some organizational, you know what I mean? They've, no, I think you have to, I think you should have to give it up. I think you should have to do the Jimmy Carter thing where you sell your peanut farm. Yes. That's what I'm, what I'm saying. I'm just, just talking about like the qualifications per 
a business person being qualified yeah. for this. Like, sure, mm -hmm. on a level, right? Like, organizational experience does matter to some yeah. degree. But, like, my, my fucking dad, I, my dad is so close to being a leftist and he doesn't even realize it. Like, he's, he, if he just took, like, three big boy steps, he would actually be a leftist because he's mad about all the same things that I am. And he brings up whenever I say, like, we don't, I'm like, we need to get all millionaires of any kind out of governance. It doesn't matter. Like, if you are living on more than a million dollars a year, whatever, like, what you know, qualifications, et cetera. But he's like, well, the Pelosi's. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We're already, like, we're already losing the thread. Like, we're already mm -hmm. losing the thread to partisanship. Like, the problem is rich people do not want to put rules on rich people because they're them. Yeah. And, and also you wind up just out of fucking out of touch. Like you wind up yeah. with the classic, how much can a banana cost? Yes. <laughs> you know, scenario. Yes. Um, um, so like, and if you've, or the Dr. Oz sort of commercials where he's at a grocery store making it, recording a campaign commercial, making it clear that he's never shopped for his own groceries <laughs> in like <Yeah>. decades. <laughs> um, and like, and, but the, the thing about a place like Florida, which, you know, elevates people like Rick Scott. Because I want to know, Rick Scott took that money and then plowed it into his political career. The only yeah. reason Rick Scott is now all of our problems and is fucking running the RNC, right, and was governor of Florida, was because he took that money and then bankrolled himself and bought his way into office. So this is a man who made his, his money defrauding the government <laughs> – Walks away with over $300 million, uses that money to get into government. Yeah. <laughs> so then he can try to reduce the amount of social services available to poor people and raise taxes on poor people. That's like, correct. I wish this were a caricature, but it is literally what happened here. I also want to say, like, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, and I have not given a shit to look it up in the last three seconds, but it was under Rick Scott that they implemented drug testing welfare recipients. So. Is that correct? I believe so. And uh, you're probably going to be shocked to find, dear listener, that 98% uh, passed uh, without any uh, drug use, which is still lower than the general population of overall drug use. So... <laughs> Also, I'd just really like to see Rick Scott piss in a cup once in a while, you know? Yeah, and not in, like, an OnlyFans sort of way, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, this is the problem. I think the reason Florida is such a fascinating case for this, and especially South Florida, is because of this rich culture of fraud, it just becomes the cultural norm. Like, hustle culture becomes, well, the, the ethics of hell, hustle culture that all the ethics sort of melt away Yep. that it's literally get that money, no matter who you hurt, what you do, how much and, you suffer. Yeah. And like you see Rick Scott succeed and you go, well, I could play by the rules and never win, or I can do that and win. And you do that at every level. You just never stop. Right. And That's the thing. It, it wasn't enough for Rick Scott to make that money. He needed to yeah. continue to fuck over everybody forever. Yep. And and we're back to, you know, 
Florida's unique demographics, old people, right? Like, it sucks that we only care about, uh, we we tend to only care about things once they affect us, because by the time you're old, you don't have a lot of energy left to, like, you know, send somebody to, to Washington for you. But, you know, because elderly people are disposable in our society, like, we allow terrible fucking things to happen to them, because that's not our problem, and it's not going to be our problem for a long time, and we'll be dead by then. And, like... <laughs> That exact attitude towards the elderly and towards like elder dignity, if you will, like I think is feeds into our completely fatalistic American culture about like getting old and death and dying. You know what I mean? It's just like, well, you ran out of capital, like you ran out of life capital, like, you know, you're a failure in the business of life. It's a terrible movie. Um <laughs> terrible movie but there's a movie with um uh, uh olivia wilde and justin timberlake <laughs> where time is a currency that theoretically oh, yeah. everyone can live forever you stop aging once you like hit 21 or something like that got it so that's how olivia wilde can be justin timberlake's mom so the rich people and the only thing is that you get you get the human lifespan and capital when you hit ma- your majority right got it And for poor people, they eventually have to spend away all of their lives. Like, they're always living with, like, just enough to get through the day. Like, literally, like, they start every day with, like, 21 hours, and they need to earn that money back, right? Meanwhile, the ultra-wealthy people live forever. Yep. Right? They have hundreds and hundreds of years just in bank vaults, thousands of years in, in bank vaults somewhere. And so that's a useful metaphor here, right? Yep. So, like... The perfect ultra-capitalist employee, for those of you who think, I'm going to go on Medicare, there's going to be Social Security, what the system wants from you is for you to live up to the point where you can work profitably for the capitalist and then die the next day so they don't have to pay for your care or your pension or any of these things. That is the perfect Medicare recipient, a person who doesn't. Yes, exactly. Precisely. (laughs) And so, like... And France is having a big thing now about raising, you know, their age of retirement Mm -hmm. um, because Macron, for all of his good points, is still a neoliberal. And, you know, um, because in France now, you can actually continue to live past the time where you yield profit for capitalists. (laughs) Right. Like all things, which, by the way, is is more than just like their Medicare system. That's the French lifestyle, right? Like that's like long vacations, like taking a full hour to sit down and eat lunch, like all these things that Americans are like, that's so crazy that France does that. And I'm like, yeah, they're just trying to like not have high blood pressure and take 10 medications by the time they're 70, you know? Yeah, exactly. And like Americans have this thing where we spend our whole lives rat racing going, you know, I'm just I'm working to make sure I can retire. And then when they retire, they realize that their lives are barren wastelands. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and they're just like, and then they go back to work because they're like, don't know how to find joy in anything other than that. I mean, that's why you see like, I mean, you see old people being greeters at, at Walmart because their social security is not enough to pay for their lives. And like you see, this is why like, if you've ever had one older person in your company that's like, kind of like hummingbird-like that you're like, I just need you to switch to decaf just today and see how it goes. Like, that's probably a person who finds the vast majority of their self-worth in being a capitalist producer. Um, and again, this is- But most, this is, most of us aren't that, though. I just want to make it very clear. Yeah. 
I'm not that, I'm going to be honest, I'm not that. Hustle culture is not for me. I don't want to fucking hustle. But, I don't. But also think, think, I'm, I'm sorry I keep hammering this drum, but like think to the Florida demographic, right? Like who is the kind of person who would slave at a desk for 40 or 50 years so that they could say, fuck all y'all. I don't need this. I don't need this community. I don't need any of these people that I've been near for the last like part of my life. I'm going to Florida. I'm going to get my condo on the beach. Like this is, it is like the siren call to like, are you a capitalist slave? Have you been, have you been trading in every little token of joy in your life for some sort of future promise? Welcome to Florida. We got you, babes. And like for all the rest of us, who are like wondering why I get paid so little? Why does everything seem precarious? Where is all this money going? The answer is they're going to the Rick Scotts of the world. That's right. And you know what? I don't think anyone's looked at Rick Scott ever and looked at that man and said, he seems really happy. <laughs> but it, again, I'm I'm going to keep hammering my drum. Care about stuff that happens to old people now, because if you're lucky, you will be old and then there'll be your problems and you'll be out of energy to fix it. And you're gonna, you're going to move to a place where you're where the entire government is all but dependent on you for its income while also providing you as little services as it can get by with and making you think it's your idea. <laughs> Precisely. So like people, I mean, often people say like, so like, where do you expect to be? They always ask you like, where do you expect to be in five years, 10 years, 20 years? Like, and I'm just like, I'll know, like probably taking some kids to see the sequel to 65, a movie in which Adam driver is in space and fights, dinosaurs i hope in five years like for some reason they make a sequel and i can take some kids there and we can and we can eat some fucking caramel corn and, and get a good laugh out of it <laughs> like that uh, uh uh the how to put this that like by turning over not only control of institutions but like through those institutions like the mechanisms of our lives to these bottomless pits of need, <laughs> like bottomless pits of want, like we wind up in situations where we do have to worry about where our, how much our medication costs. We do have to worry about whether or not we can see a doctor, whether we can afford our insulin, whether, you know, we, we can get our, our child braces or whatever, you know, instead of being able to enjoy all the things that make life amazing and there was this great twitter thread about like how rich people have lost the plot that like when now that they're trying to optimize their lives and like buy everything instead of just like paying a whole bunch of weird artists to like you know <laughs> make hilarious yeah. portraits and yeah. statues of them like can we get like i know those times sucked <laughs> but like instead of elon musk buying twitter like you know how many hilarious pieces of art sculptures statues like paintings he could have commissioned for that. Like yeah. who doesn't want to see Elon Musk, like commissioning some weirdo 20 year old to build an entire Ma Minecraft universe that looks like Elon Musk's head when viewed and, from, a, a, from above. If Elon Musk is so self-obsessed, if you're a self-obsessed billionaire, let's get back to OG billionaires there. If you go around Indianapolis, everything is named for like the Glick family or the Bonners or 
like uh oh the people who own the simon family like let's get back to og super rich we're like when you had rich vanity it's because you wanted to see your name on like a community health center and a library and the theater where the uh, philharmonic plays you know what i mean like or how about this let's go even further let's go back to like rome when when rich people used to fund infrastructure yeah, yeah. I'm gonna build, you know, I'm gonna build Hadrian's Wall. I'm gonna build the fucking aqueduct. Yeah. You know, I want Elon Musk. I want Elon Musk to build to upgrade America's electrical grid. Yeah. And every fuck time we turn on every yeah, fuck the, like every time we turn on the light switch, we can be <laughs> thank you, Daddy Elon. Yeah, that's... for this clean, abundant energy. Yeah. If, if only, if only that were the nature of a uh, super greedy, ultra rich, but it's not. So, I I mean, I love this one. I could talk about Rick Scott and Medicare fraud all day, but we're trying to keep these shorter. Uh, so we're going to be back with uh, two more, two more uh, in our What the Fuck Woo. is Wrong with Florida, Florida. <laughs> series. Uh, but that's going to do it for us for this time. Uh, this has been the Perpetual Stew. I am Matthew Goodman. <laughs> I'm Sarah Merle. Yeah, I don't know why I said it that way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> until next time, stay curious. Bye.